RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Join me at the annual RWJ Barnabas Health Running with the Devils 5K Run and Walk on Sunday, October 24th. For those unable to attend, a virtual running option is also available October 1st through the 24th. 100% of proceeds from the event will be used to support our healthcare heroes in their efforts to protect and build healthier communities. To register today, visit NewJerseyDevils.com slash 5K. Well, hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan, along with Sam Kassan. Welcome to Speak of the Devils, our podcast brought to you by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. And Sam, we just finished spending some time with uh, Jonathan Bernier, who will share goaltending duties with Mackenzie Blackwood this year for the Devils. We got into a lot of things. I did not ask him if he plans to stay with the Devils for the whole season. We know what happened last year with Corey Crawford, but I think throughout let's, let's the conversation, <laughs> I think I think throughout the conversation, our fans will find out, and hockey fans in general will find out that this guy's dedicated to his craft and he is ready to rock for the two years he signed for. He is here for the long haul. Yeah, he's for at least the two years. We don't have to scare the fans anymore about the, another repeat of what happened the previous year. But and a great acquisition, obviously, not only the way he plays and how good he is on the ice. But I think off the ice, he can be a great mentor to a Mackenzie Blackwood. He can also be just a reliable guy in the locker room and has a lot of experience for a very young team. And I know he's a goaltender, but, you know, when it comes to playing, obviously he's been part of a Stanley Cup championship team. His experience is a lot of the playoffs. So these are all pieces of wisdom that he can purview out to the rest of the team. And he's going to be a big help. He's going to be a big piece to this team as they try to take that next step to being competitive, fighting for a playoff spot this season. And I think not only, again, off the ice, but as well as on the ice, I think he's going to be a huge attribution to this club. And as our listeners will find out, uh, he's laid a path for how the Devils can have a successful season. Having seen it for so many years in the National Hockey League, he brings that point of view. But we also find out some interesting things about him off the ice and on the ice. It's one of the great things about this podcast and particularly one that's done with a player who we know of and have had a chance to say hello to from time to time, but not get to know as well as we did in the interview and will moving forward. But I didn't realize that his NHL debut took place overseas. You know, we find out about that. Uh, Amazing. London, England is where he made his NHL debut. Yeah, not something you would think of. And and ironically, like I didn't realize that either. I was just. I usually like to ask about, you know, the first time you play an NHL game, because when it comes to players, they always remember the two days they always remember is their draft and the day they make their NHL debut. And obviously if they want to Stanley cup, they remember that. But 
every player has those two draft and debut memories. So I, I always like to ask that experience because it's such vivid in so many of their memories. And you know, he started saying, he's like, oh yeah, I was in London. I was like, and at first I was thinking like, wait, was it London, Ontario? Did he, does he, is he talking about like a preseason game? And then I did realize they did play the overseas series that year. And he, you know, they played Anaheim uh, in, in London, England. And I was like, what a strange yet unique yet really cool way to enter the national hockey league, you know, just, just in that atmosphere too. And I know it's, different from a normal NHL rink a normal NHL building with a different crowd, a different basis, but still like a, a unique experience and something that, you know, not, not, he's got to be one of the few players that has made a debut overseas. I'd imagine. I mean, not many, you know, not many, first of all, not that many NHL players get to play overseas because of the limited games and opportunities, but to make your debut, it's got to be, and then to be a goaltender too. Usually you go overseas, you just play the starter to the two games and then go home. You know, Jonathan quicks there, obviously you think he gets the two games, but they let Bernier get in and, as he told us, he does have a, a little bit bittersweet memory at the end, but we'll let him get into that, too. Yeah, one of many interesting stories shared by our guest, Jonathan Bernier. Jonathan Bernier, thank you so much for giving us some of your time, and uh, it's great to finally get a chance to speak with you. Uh, I will give you my official welcome to the Devils, although uh, you have been offered that previously. Uh, what's it been like since you signed with the club and now as you get ready with camp on the horizon? It'll be part of the, uh, the Devils, uh, but obviously, you know, when you move and you have a family, pretty uh, busy time to get them in school and especially having the uh, the late uh, free agency this year. Uh, we scrambled a bit, but now we're all settled in in the house and kids are back to school. So back to normal and we're ready to go. What's the biggest part of that transition that we as fans have no idea that a player and his family have to do? Well, uh, you know, depending on what stage you are in your life, but for us, it's, it's uh, school, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, the biggest challenge. And most people start looking at school uh, almost uh, around December, January. And for us, uh, we only had probably a month, uh, you know, but we're lucky. We, um, Every team I've been on, you know, the, the, the organization really helps you out to pick a, a great location uh, for, for your needs. And, and then you go from there and you start talking to ex-players or players that have kids and you, you just kind of ask around. But, um, you know, I don't think there's any kids in this team. So uh, I think I'm the only one with, uh, with kids. So I feel a bit old. <laughs> <laughs> it happens fast, doesn't it? Uh, there's an exceedingly young team, but uh We'll be happy to meet your family and get them along. But you had those contacts, too. Who are some of the former players or even current players who maybe came through New Jersey recently that helped you out in just the whole thing? You know, the area where you might want to reside, school, what it's like in New Jersey, et cetera. Well, for, first, uh, first person I really talked to is Marty. Uh, obviously, he was here for, for the longest time. And um, I actually ended up sending my, my kids to the same school he went. But uh, Zajac was a great help, too, as well. Um, uh, those are really the two, two guys I I've talked to most just to get familiar with, you know, kids stuff, doctors and, you know, whatever you need. <laughs> What's the move been like for the family? You got, you settled in, are you feeling good about the new places? And then obviously the kids are off to school. Do they like the new school? Like what, what, give us an update on how life is now that you're in Jersey. Yeah, the kids are very excited. We're lucky. Uh, all this one is, uh, adapts really well and, um, you know, it's pretty funny on Friday. He's like, do I have school tomorrow? I'm like, no, it's the weekend. It's like, oh, we really enjoy it. So, um, but yeah, the, the, I'd say it's familiar to Birmingham where we live in Michigan. Um, 
and uh, we really like the, the the area we're in right now so uh, it, it feels pretty familiar for us and uh, and the family's excited we're definitely closer to home so we'll be able to uh, get to see our family uh, more than than the past that, that's got to be i mean speaking not of the hockey obviously more the family but as a father i mean that's got to be somewhat of a relief when your children are able to adapt so quickly and flawlessly and actually enjoy going to school and making new friends and you know experiencing new schools new areas and everything yeah definitely i, I you know I think we put a lot of pressure as parents that, you know, we want to keep them in, in a, a regular routine and, you know, but they adapt really well. And, and that in life, you know, will, they'll grow from, from that and they'll, they'll get thrown in situation and, and they'll, they'll know how to deal with it. So, um, even if they do at a young age later on, it's going to pay off. So, um, we're, we're definitely lucky that he adapts well, but I think from, uh, moving so many times, we never really, um, you know, obviously this year was a bit tougher because he was um, already going to school in Michigan and now, you know, changing. We weren't too sure, but, it, 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 you know, he, he did an amazing job. And you mentioned uh, Marty and Travis really helping you finding some areas. What are, are there any other of the players that you've been in contact with? Have you spoken with like a Nico or uh, have you spoken with maybe even Mackenzie Blackwood or something like that? Yeah, I spoke to a lot of guys during the summer, but, um, you know, a lot of guys uh, that I spoke with that are currently in the team obviously have a different uh, lifestyle than I do, um, you know, having kids and they're, they don't. So it's obviously a big, big difference where you, you're you going to be located. You want a, a condo or you want a house and things like that. So for us uh, with three kids, we definitely uh, didn't see ourselves being in a condo. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little cramped with all those toys, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> and a little room to run for the children. So, you know, we've talked about the adaptation that they need to make, and, and thankfully that's gone well, and, and your wife uh, doing the same. As But as a player, you have had to adapt over the years. I'm not even talking about on the playing side, about how you improve and then maintain a position in the National Hockey League, which we can get to. But as you move you know, your career around and you move from a team to a new club, what adaptation and what challenges were there for you, not necessarily coming from Detroit to the Devils, but throughout your careers, you've had to move in order to stay in the best league in the world. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's not easy to be honest. Like the, it's not the fact that you're meeting new guys. Cause you know, that's, that's the easiest part to get in the room and feel, feel good, but it's, it's more, uh, you know, new goalie coach so you gotta um you know you gotta feel confident enough that if he tells you things to do or things to change you gotta trust him and and that's just a trust issue that you build with times and um i think that's usually the biggest part for me when i come into a new team is is just building that uh, that relationship with your goalie coach and your your goalie partner as well so uh, that that takes time a little bit but other and that, you know, it's, it's, you, you just gotta try to play your game and guys will start trusting you the way you play. And, you know, when you're playing at the top, you more ice time and things like that. So that takes time. You know, it's, uh, I've been in teams where, um, you know, it, it took me two or three months before the coach maybe started to, to play me more because he gained confidence in me. So, and other way around where it's, I got the chance to play right away. So uh, you just, 
team to team, it's, it's all different. So you just gotta, just gotta adapt and, and just, uh, I guess like put your head down and just work and do your own thing and, and good things happens. Without spilling any secrets, although we encourage that, but can you uh, tell us what the conversations have been like between yourself and Dave Rogalski and yourself and Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, you know, as, as you get acclimated to the New Jersey Devils way, if you will? Yeah, uh, it's been really good so far. Uh, that's the one reason why I wanted to come in as soon as we could find a mover. And obviously COVID time uh, was not easy, but we were able to move maybe uh, two weeks after I signed. I've been here almost a month now and I've been skating with them. So I'm just, you know, I try to get here as soon as possible just to get acclimated with with uh, Blackie and, and uh, Rogi just to, you know, feel good about myself and him to get to know me as well and to get to know my games. So uh, I just felt that was the best. Jonathan, you're another one in a long line of Quebec-born goaltenders that have played obviously in the National Hockey League. I'm curious, going back to your youth, was there a certain goaltender, obviously Marty, one that comes to mind? I know you mentioned that, but are there any other goaltenders that you really idolized when you were growing up? And maybe a goalie that you might've tailored your game after when you were kind of coming up? Yeah. Um, obviously Marty was, uh, a big, uh, big part for me to be a goalie and, and Patrick was well, but, uh, in my age, I would say I, I looked, I looked at two or there were quite a bit, same kind of size. Um, and I, I really enjoy the way he played for, you know, he was competing a lot and, whatever it take to, to, to stop the puck a little bit like Marty, but um, I feel like my age was more, uh, I, I looked up at two other more than, than Marty. Well, you mentioned Marty and or you spoke to us earlier about a photo that exists. I wonder if you could share again with the listening audience about this photo from a camp in your youth. Yeah. Uh, I was about, I don't know, 10, uh, 10, 11 years old. And, uh, and uh, I went to goalie camp and uh, we were, all the goalies were taking pictures and, and uh, the three goalies that were there to, to you know, to, to take pictures with all the kids was uh, on one side was Marty, um, middle was uh, Theodore, and on the other side was Longo. So I still have that picture hanging on my wall. So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool picture to have. I, I think it's only me and the photographer that has that picture. So <laughs> did you speak to Marty about that? Does he know this photograph exists? No, uh, no, I, I forgot. <laughs> Kind enough to the year that uh, we won uh, when I was in L.A., he gave me a stick. I waited until game six, but he uh, he uh, he was kind enough after a loss to give me a stick. So that was pretty special. Yeah. What was it like uh, that entire championship cup run? You know, obviously, it's something that not a lot of players get to experience. The cup's so hard to win, but you were part of that team and to see that team go through all that. Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, over the years, you realize just to make the playoffs, it's hard, you know, and, and I was fortunate enough to win at, at a really young age. And, um, you know, we uh, we battled the, the whole year. We, we kind of struggled. We fired our coach and we had to win our last game in San Jose. Uh, and we did. And we came in on the eighth seed in the playoff and we we just we went on a tear that at uh, that time, a perfect timing. Everyone was healthy. Everyone was playing at their best. And that's how we, uh, we won. So, um, you know, as long as you, you get in, that's why I, I keep telling myself, if you get in the playoff, you just never know at that time of the year, you know, 
So, um, but you realize after that many years that just to make it, it's hard. It's a long season. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon because you did win the last game of the year just to get into the playoffs. At the time, did the team know that you had the caliber to be a championship club and just you just need to get in? Or at the, did you have to, did you almost learn that as the playoffs kind of, have you started running off some wins and winning around? You're like, okay, there's something here that might be really special. Yeah, um, there's one turning point for me was um, the first uh, the first year against Vancouver when uh, Dustin Brown hit really hard Sadine. Like, I mean, really hard center heist. And uh, for some reason, after that hit, the whole team kind of changed. And uh, that was just that one moment for us that it kind of, um, you know, made us believe that we can, uh, we could win, you know. And we're giving uh, Maddie nightmares here. We're living the 2020, <laughs> 2012 uh, Stanley Cup final. All good, all good, all good. <laughs> But, you know, the the margin, it's interesting that you mentioned it, Jonathan, right? So you, you guys just get in on the last day. So you're the eighth seed and then, and deservedly so, Stanley Cup champs. But the first two games go overtime. And if yeah. those outcomes are different and they were, it was razor thin the margin, who knows what would have happened? It's just that that's sports, right? Yeah, you can take a turn is. like that. It's playoffs, you know, it's, it's your, your one shot away from, you know, going to the next round or, or, or losing in the first round. Right. So it's, it's, and that's why it's so exciting. You know, to, like I mentioned, just to get in, it's, it's hard, but once you're in, you just, you're, you're never out, you know, it could, you could finish first or you could finish eight and it, it's, it, you know, you just never know. A lot of talk when you signed with the devils about how things will work between yourself and McKenzie. And you talked about some of the conversations and what have you. The thing that bothers me is when we in the media say, well, it's 1A, 1B, or how will the Devils split it? Well, they'll have this guy and or any team. This guy will play 55 games. The other guy will play the rest. Hey, man, you're a competitor. Like, you may understand the situation. I'm talking about you personally. You understand the situation you're coming to, but you ain't here to take a back seat. So, no. like, talk about the balance between especially at the goalie position, which is just the one, the balance between, yeah, supportive, want to make sure as a team we put our best goalie out any particular night. But a lot of times you want to be that guy. Like, what is it about the goaltending position where you've got to be teammates, but you've got to be competitors? And how might we see that play out this year? Like every year, you know, it's, it's, I've been in a situation like you come in and you're clear number one and, and it turns out that you're clear number ones in some years where, you know, you're not playing your best and the other guy comes and take your job. So I've learned it from both side and you, you just got to come in and, 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 you know, play, play as good as possible every single game. And that's how you, you earn game time, you know, at this level, um, you know, every game is so important, you know, um, every save or, you know, could, could get you in, into a playoff position. Right. So, uh, for me, I just take it as, you know, being myself, you know, I always, um, try to be a good teammate with, with my partner, um, try to help him out, but I'm here to, you know, I'm here to play. I just, you know, no one likes to be on the bench. So I signed here because, you know, I, I just saw a great opportunity for me to, um, with this team, this young group that can take the next step. And, you know, I felt like it was a, a good, good uh, fit for me. And 
Um, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not here to be comfortable to be on, on the bench as well. So, and at the end of the day, if I play well, then it's, it's good for the team and it's good for Blackie because he's going to want to push more to play better than me. Right. So, um, that's why we call it healthy competition, right? It's, you you know, you're pushing your partner to be better every day. So it could be from him being better than me, then I'm going to want to push harder to, you know, beat him. So, and that's, uh. Uh, that's the NHL. And if you're not comfortable with, with that, it's, uh, you're not going to last in this league. And probably that's why I'm still here is, you know, I work hard every day and I try to be the other guy, you know, every day. Did you always want to be a goalie? Because it is generally one guy and at all levels, who's going to get the bulk of the work. And the other guy is, is not going to see as much time again, six defensemen, you know, 12 forwards. You got some guys yeah. on the bench that you can rotate in and out. But with the goaltender, it's like, man, you, you in many ways, you're a lone man on the island. Was it always the goalie that you wanted to be? Yeah, I started as a D-man, but uh, I wouldn't leave the uh, the top of the circle in my zone. So <laughs> so my dad was like, I think uh, you should try to be a goalie. And uh, <laughs> But I was actually a very good, good skater. So... Um, and I, uh, one game they missed, you know, we didn't have a goalie. So I went in and I just never took the pads off. Cool. I always love to, to hear how people get started in goaltending. Cause and I swear every story is the same where it's like, oh, they needed a goalie. Nobody could fill in. So we threw a kid in net and next thing you know, he falls in love with the position and never leaves the net. And, and it sounds like that's, I know we interviewed Chico Rash and a lot of other goaltenders. And it sounds like it's the same for you, Jonathan. It's very interesting the way, cause we've interviewed Chico Rash where in most scenarios you see where it's a youth team needs a goaltender and they don't have anyway. So they just throw some kid, random kid into the goal. And then he ends up falling in love with the position and been staying there forever. And I feel like that sounds like the story with you as well. Yeah, it, it was. And obviously I had the older brother, so he needed a goalie. Yeah, he needed, <laughs> he needed he needs a target practice. That, that's a familiar story too. Yeah. I need somebody to shoot at, right? Yeah. So I, we played in our basement. Uh, actually our net was the freezer in our basement and, that thing was white, but by the time we were 14, 15, it was all black, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, we had fun. Uh, you know, I was, the, I was the little guy, so I had to, to go in net. He needed someone to shoot at. Here's the little brother syndrome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, well the, the story, of course, Sidney Crosby, same thing his parents kept. I think it was the dryer that he kept shooting at, or maybe it was the washing machine. Did your parents keep that refrigerator for a while? Like, all right, let's oh, yeah. this becomes target practice. But it was it was our net. So uh, they just kept it. And and I don't think they make those freezer anymore as solid as it was because it never let go. And when they moved and obviously they threw it away, but they should have kept it. It was a pretty cool uh, souvenir. <laughs> it was probably a thousand marks of pucks on there <laughs> bend everywhere <laughs> yeah it could be great great for your uh, game room or your trophy yeah. room to have that in the corner there <laughs> was, was there a point as you were progressing as a goaltender getting better and better is there at what point is it in juniors or when you're younger where you think like okay this could be a real career i could really make something of this it's not just obviously you start playing for fun and you're enjoying it but at some point obviously you, you're you're so good and excelling that you got to think like, okay, maybe this could be a long-term thing. Was there a point with you in that, in your career when that happened where it just clicked? Yeah. Well, we, um, it was one of the first year where we did, uh, sports in school. So we would actually, uh, skate. And, um, that's how I met my goalie coach that I've been with since I'm 14 years old. 
And um, I felt like that really helped me a lot to get two extra practice compared to one. So I felt like I really uh, separated myself from other kids at that age. And then when I, uh, when I went to, I was Bantam and my brother was playing midget triple a and I would go with them and practice and, you know, I was doing pretty good. So, but really to me, the breaking point was junior, you know, then you get, you know, I was drafted first round. Then you're like, okay, well, you know, you, you never think that you're not that you're good, but like, to me, I was like, oh, everyone's good. You know, I didn't really see a big difference from me and other goalies. And then, you know, you get drafted first round junior, then, you know, um, starting to play quite a bit. And then you get drafted, you know, then you're like a year away from your draft. Everyone's talking about like you being first round. Then you're like, okay, well, this is, this could be something, you know. <laughs> but really to me is when I got drafted first round junior, that's when I realized I was like, okay, well, I keep putting the time that I'm putting in and being very, very focused on my goal, then, you know, I do have a good chance. Everyone remembers the day they were drafted. They also remember their very first game. Those are the two memories that really stand out to most players. What do you recall from your very first game? Yeah, my first game was uh, definitely special. Um, I was 19, um, pretty much traveled the world and in two weeks when I did the super series with team Canada against Russia right before camp. So I actually, I think I missed like a week in camp uh, from that and uh, went into camp uh, pretty much right into exhibition and made the team at 19. And my first game was in London. Um, uh, and we won against the defending champ uh, and I'm ducks and had first stars. So it's pretty good, pretty good debut. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't slowed down since. <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> what What do you remember about that game in particular? Losing my shutout in the third against Bobby Ryan. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, <laughs> uh, he still he still gives it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was his first game too. I couldn't let you have that one, you know. Just like like when a, yeah. a hitter in baseball knows the pitcher's got a, a no hitter, so he just kind of. Let's him get the out, you know, like the Bobby could be better than that. Too wide. Come on. <laughs> I always say I love when we have goaltenders on the show because I like talking about the technique and the goaltending position. I wonder how you've seen the goaltending position evolve over the years and change, if at all. Because I know one thing actually we spoke about was the before was the fact that we don't have Marty Brodors playing 76 games anymore. A lot more time is split between goal two goaltenders. There's a lot more tandem. But also just the position itself. Obviously, there was stand-up goalies and the butterfly goalies, and the, now it's much more just positionally. So, where do you think the position has evolved since maybe your youth, and where do you see it kind of going in the future? I don't know if it can get better. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like I had to work so hard, like you know, from when I started to you know, even as a young goalie to my first year in the league till now, it's just, it evolves so much. Um, you know, to me, the biggest difference is you don't really see when I started, you could be two, three feet out of your crease, uh, to stop a puck. Now it's like, everything is more like sound and everything has, you know, if the guy's there, that's where you need to be. If you're, you know, 
And the post plays well changed a lot. You know, we used to be more stand up on the post, and then it went to VH, where it's called like it's called VH, where you have one pad on your post and the other one down. Now it's actually the opposite. So yeah, I had to VH. you know work really hard to 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 adapt to the new new goalies. You know, I guess the new uh, era. And uh, but if you don't, then it's hard to stay in, right? So you gotta put a lot of hours like these kids are been doing it since they're like 14, 15, the reverse show for me almost took me a year of and uh, finally now I feel like, you know, I definitely feel really comfortable with it, but um, you know, when you have a kid that comes up and has been doing it for since he's, since he's uh, uh, 14, 15, then, you know, it's a, it, you can tell he's uh, he's a lot more natural than than I was when I started. So, but yeah, it definitely changed. Um, you know, now it's it's more uh, like you mentioned, like being square, being set. Um, before that was, you know, I started to be more stand up and two pad stack and poke check, and you know, now you don't really see that anymore. If you do throw a two pad and it goes in, you you look. Uh, <laughs> It doesn't look good, you know. <laughs> you get a bad smirk from the goalie coach when uh, when he sees that. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because you think obviously Martin Brodeur came up as more of a stand-up style goaltender who just kind of maintained his style throughout his entire career. But for someone like you, came up in that initial style and then had to adapt to become more of the butterfly technique. And as you said, switching from the stand-up pad to the reverse VH, like. It, every couple of years, it's like you're almost having to learn a new technique. I mean, what is that like after you, you feel like, all right, I'm starting to get this stand up and the two pad stack thing down. Now, all of a sudden, like, all right, stop doing that. Now you've got to be more square and work along the crease. And like, so how was that for you to like be constantly trying to change and adapt? Yeah, uh, it, it's fine. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm trying to be the best version as, you know, I can be. And, and I felt like, you know, if I didn't do it, I probably, I wouldn't be in this league. And I, you know, that's all I got. You know, I love playing the game. And uh, to me, it's, it's not very uh, hard to go on and, and put a lot of hours. It's just fun. And, you know, I'm trying to be the best I can. So, um, but it is, you know, it, it, like I mentioned, it involves so much. Um, but then once you start seeing it on other goalies that it works and you're like, okay, well, you know, it is, it is the right, right thing. And there's still things that I'm doing that I was doing five, six years, 10 years ago that will come out in my game once in a while, because it's, it's a natural thing. But, um, at the same time, it's not bad because it's a surprising element. You know, shooters always used to pick spot where they know a butterfly guy will will do and sometimes if you mix it up then it's it, that hole is not there anymore right like marty you know i think that's that's what marty was good at is cheating on one side maybe and giving away that glove side and um i remember you know i think it was game five or six you know drew dowdy came down right the slot in the slot and i could see from the bench i was like Dewey don't shoot glove. Like there was like two feet. Marty was on his post and, and he gave the two pads that and that's where they shoot. So Marty was really good at actually making guys shoot where they, where he wanted to them to shoot at. Yeah. It's like the mental aspect of it too. Cause one, one thing you hear a lot now, yeah. from particularly goaltending coaches or even scouts that when they scout these younger kids that are goaltenders, like 
a term they use a lot is like very robotic. Like they're they're technically yeah. sound, positionally sound, but like they're just like dime a dozen cookie cutter. And it's it's almost losing a little bit of that flair, a little bit of the mind game of it too, where you kind of yeah, show the mind and take it away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, correct. You know, sometimes I still, you know, I think good goalies or, you know, guys that read the game well, they'll still do it sometimes. You know, it's, you know, you give a little spot where they think they can shoot at, but you know they're going to shoot it there. So obviously you got an advantage, right? Uh, when you were mentioning uh, Marty giving something, I, I know the listeners smiled. I was smiling at it because there are many examples and you gave one, but so many of us can remember and visualize the glove side, he's going to be beaten. He's given too much. And then he would just like, he want, like, it was such a mind game. It was beautiful to watch. Like it was wide open. And then he would just flash it, make the save. And you know, the, the, the shooter just yeah. put his head up in the sky. Like, Oh my goodness. So, you know, I think a lot of us, yeah, he, just, he, he just played mind game with players. Right. So, yeah. and that's what made him so good. He controlled yeah. the players. Yeah, for, for sure. A, a couple of more things for me. Um, and, and I don't mind if, if, if we talk off the ice a little bit with you, is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So um, people who have seen you, they know, and you're not unusual in this regard. You have tattoos. A lot of people have tattoos this day. What was the first tattoo and uh, what's the best tattoo you have? Uh, or favorite tattoo? tattoo? I had uh, my first tattoo. I was 14 yeah 14 or 15 I actually went with my mom <laughs> uh and uh, I got a goalie on my on my on my lot there now it's covered but it was uh it was a pretty basic goalie tattoo that uh, I didn't regret but it wasn't the best artist so I just kind of covered it up um and you know all my tattoos mean something so there's not really one in particular that I I don't like or it's uh, my brother my kids so it's it's all it's all meaningful to me so they're all you know they mean something to me so at the end of the day I felt like if I do something that that it's important to me then I won't get sick of it (laughs) (laughs) one other thing I want to ask uh you you mentioned your children and uh your wife has to make this contribution as well and it's enormous to to be the wife of an athlete but she was in the spotlight too and i don't know is she still i know she was a fashion model is she still doing some modeling and then the question is how did you two meet uh we met through uh mutual friends back home in montreal um and we're we're about half hour from uh where she's born and where i was born i was born in laval she was born a small town um a little bit west of laval northwest and uh, we just actually never crossed paths when we were younger. And I met her when I was uh, 19. Actually, you know, she's an amazing mom. So she uh, she sacrificed her career to just stay home and, and you know, be with the kids. Uh, you know, I'm sure she misses it sometimes, you know, to have her, her freedom and, and she really enjoy her work. But uh, she believes that uh, it's better for her family that she stays home instead of, of working and having someone to take care of the kids all the time. Which is an enormous sacrifice for someone to give up her career that way. And kudos to her for deciding for her and for you what was important. Uh, But do you think it helped that your wife was in that spotlight? She understands a little bit what you're going through on a regular basis. Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, that I admire about her is um, she started to travel 
when she was like 14, 15 to Milan, to New York and everywhere. So uh, she's used to just moving, you know, back in days, she take a map and just explore everywhere. So uh, every time we go to a new town, like, you know, she, she has things to do with the kids and, you know, we actually went to Legoland, New York this weekend. She went, she already did a few things with the kids. She's not afraid to explore. And, and I think it's from, from her past that she kind of got thrown into new cities and for work. And she, um, they were obviously in this really small apartment when she was starting. So she's like, hey, get out of there. So she would, uh, <laughs> she would just, you know, take the train and go somewhere. So I think she's, uh, she's brave on that. And she, uh, uh, she doesn't mind to move around. She's, she always tells me, because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if we stay there or, you know, get a new contract there. She's like, babe, it's it's okay. We, you get paid and we do, we get to experience new new cities and travel. So it's like, it's pretty fun. <laughs> She's a good speaking trooper. Of, speaking of traveling, I assume you guys have done a lot of traveling together then. What are some of your favorite travel destinations, some favorite places that you guys have gone, whether with the family or just the two of you? Uh I'd say, uh, yeah, we've, we've traveled quite a bit. Um, but Maui was one of our favorite spot. We went there for a honeymoon and, um, you know, no kids, just, you know, two weeks and we relaxed there. So that was obviously nice, uh, nice, to, a very nice location, but, um, with the kids, we've just been going to Florida quite a bit just cause it's, it's easy to get to. And, uh, we haven't, last few years, uh, obviously COVID, but even before that, when we started to have our, our first and second, we kind of just stayed closer and uh, made more sense to us. She can take you to Milan to show you the old stomping grounds. Uh, we haven't, uh, no, she, we haven't been much to Europe, uh, maybe a couple times uh, since we've been together. Um, but uh, that will be uh, on our list when kids are a bit older. Well, I know, Jonathan, you have things to do. So we'll just end it on this note. Uh, what are you most looking forward to as the season is uh, on the horizon? Uh, first off, just to get started, you know, um, you know, this is always an excited, excited time to, to get the first game in. But um, from watching this team from from far and on TV, you know, I think, you know, this team is right there. I think as a group, we just need to, to get to the next level. Um, the, from the young guys to take that other stop step and from the older guys to, to, to just, you know, same thing, you know, everyone just need to, to get to that next level to, to um, compete every night. And, and that's what they, you know, at, this team needs to understand how hard it is to play 82 games uh, to make it into the playoff and, you know, there's no night off, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing to learn is, uh, you know, staying within a goal, uh, when you're behind staying within the goal, if there's 30 seconds in a minute and you got to find a way to score, you know, if it's the opposite, then you got to find a way to stop it. Right. So this, this league now is so tight and, you know, those, those one point, you know, one goal game, they're going to happen a lot and you just got to be on, on, on the good side of it. And that's how you make the playoffs. So, um, you know, I expect great things from this group and um, I hope everyone is, is ready to go. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? 
carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, but one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. I know times have changed, but I think it's pretty cool that his mom took him to the tattoo parlor. You know, there was a time when you would sneak out and do it on your own and then (laughs) deal with the wrath at home. But here he took a year. She finally wore down and then she joins him in the tattoo parlor. Love that story. Oh, yeah. What what a turn of events. huh? It took a whole year of lobbying, but then finally she goes and she does it. I'm only disappointed that she also didn't get the tattoo of the goaltender on her lat. That would have been a nice little thing to have them both. But yeah, just a a credible story, you know, and one of those, again, very unique stories. And he's a guy that has a lot of tattoos and a lot of obviously ones that have meaning to him. So, and great question by you, Maddie, when you, when you dig deeper below the surface, especially when a guy like that who puts so much thought into what he's putting on his body, that the ink and what it means and the deeper aspects of it. I think it's really fascinating and a beautiful story too, of you know, mother and a son just going out and getting a couple of tattoos together. Yeah, exactly. After she allowed the brother to shoot on Jonathan in the <laughs> basement and destroy the refrigerator. Another one of the stories uh, that he told as well. You know what? Um, I think for him and we didn't ask him, but I'm assuming this is correct. Everyone's happy to be the NHL, and I'm sure he was grateful for the opportunity that Detroit gave him. But Detroit is a club that is rebuilding. The Devils are several years ahead of where Detroit is. Uh, And so it's got to rejuvenate him. I think that came through in some of the answers he gave, that he gets the fact that, you know what, I'm, I'm coming to a team on the come again, and that bodes well for him, and of course bodes well for the Devils too. Yeah, and obviously New Jersey has already put in the groundwork of the rebuild. They're a couple of years into it. So they're at the point now where they're hitting that upswing trajectory. And you're right, Detroit's kind of still in the middle of it in the early workings of it. So I think he's looking at this team and, and just sees a bright future here. And, and the point, too, is, you know, obviously a lot of young, great players, a young, great goaltender in Mackenzie Blackwood. But don't expect Jonathan Bernie to come play second fiddle to anybody. I mean, this guy is here to play. He's here to win. He's here to compete. And as he said and told us, it's going to make everyone better. He's going to make his teammates in front of him better, his defensemen in front of him better. He's going to make his goaltending tandem partner better because it's going to push McKenzie to be better. So everything, and, and as you build a team, as you know, Maddie, when you build a team and you're rebuilding, it comes from the goal out, goal, defense, center. Those are your main prime positions that you build franchises around franchise defenseman, franchise goaltender, franchise center. So building from the goal out, if you can solidify the goaltending position, all the domino chips start to fall after that. Very excited for what the future holds this season. It will begin very shortly. Jonathan Bernier will play a very important role on the New Jersey Devils and will play a big part in whatever success they have. Sam, always good to spend some time with you. Good chat today with Jonathan Bernier. Oh, absolute pleasure. And obviously good to spend time with you as well, Matt. And that will wrap things up. Thank you. That will wrap things up on Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Thank you, our listeners, for your company. It's always appreciated. Until next time, be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.